0: You open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, I reckon if you can't find 1 Corinthians chapter, if you can't find 1 Corinthians, look in the front. It's got an index. It says 1 Corinthians, and it'll give you the page number. That's probably a good thing because some of the Bibles are in different uh, places. So have a quick uh, flick through. it would be really good for you to have it open this morning. It's not particularly a Mother's Day uh, message as such, but it's more of a whole message, and it's a, quite a tricky passage. Uh, it's probably one of the more difficult passages in the Bible. Not that it's, I think it's hard to understand, but I think lots of people have made it into and uh, don't particularly read it very well. And uh, they've done lots of things with it which, which haven't been helpful. So we're going to need to look at it together. Um, we're going to read verses 1 to 12. Uh, Flora's going to come up and do that for us. Uh, and then we're going to actually try and cover the whole chapter. I don't want you to be here all day, so we're going to work through it. I think there's some big themes in there that we can really pick up on. And hopefully the bits in between will help you see those as we go. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. And Flora's going to read that
1: for us. does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But anyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. (coughs) I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, What good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the flute or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up up the church. May God add his blessing to the reading.
0: Been around for a little while. Uh, you've missed something. Uh, High School Musical has been something that has taken over uh, teen world for the last probably six or seven years since the first one came out. Uh, and it's very interesting because I actually think that song could almost be the theme song of chapters 10 through to 14 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, because that theme song is all about that we are all in it together, that uh, we are different but yet We're unified, that we speak in one voice, but yet there are so many of us and we do it together. Uh, And if you actually watch, you can go home if you haven't seen it before and watch it because it's a great, it's actually quite a fun film. And the very first one uh, sets up this high school. And in this high school, there are all these different groups. There's the sporting group, there's the geeks, there's the artists, there's the, uh, whatever. You can have all those different groups. And in the high school, there was, they'll just, disparate groups no one spoke to one another if they did they were just angry at each other and then this girl Vanessa Hudgens who was uh, the darker girl singing comes into the school and gets involved amongst it and then gets into a musical and this musical brings all these different groups together and they come together as one to sing that final song we're all in it together the church in 1 corinthians that we've been looking at were pretty much like that uh even though they supposedly believed and trusted in jesus there was all these little groups doing their own little thing their own little way some thinking that they were better than others some thinking that they had special gifts over here they were more spiritual than others Uh, and into it paul walks in and says no we are one together in jesus and we are in it together we have all these different gifts all these different talents all these different abilities but they are all together working together to build each other up to become Christ's body to be his representative here in this world to live for him in this place that he's placed us and that God gathers us together and that here in Evans head present he has gathered us together that you are here not just because it's mother's day today not just because you happen to live in Evans head but because God has placed you here He's brought you here. He's gifted you in all different ways so that you can build each other up to love God more and to serve Him more and to become more like Jesus together. We are all in it together. That's the theme, isn't it? And if you've been here for the last few weeks, you would have seen that was a theme that we've been working through, that we are all in it together. And we need to keep that uh, right at the forefront of our minds this morning as we look at 1 Corinthians 14 because in 1 Corinthians 14 Paul is about to really nail in on what one of the biggest disputes in the church in Corinth were on about, speaking in tongues. Now if you've been in churches or you've even seen stuff about churches uh, at different stages on TVs and so forth, you probably would have even heard about this concept where people speak Uh, in a language of some sort that no one else can understand and that they do it in an ecstatic way and that's some part of what happens in some churches and you might even get a bit of a glimpse that even amongst that it's been pretty controversial uh, and it's caused a whole lot of division over time and Paul's coming in today in 1 Corinthians 14 and he wants to nail that down because in Corinth it was causing issues it was causing big problems but he wants to make sure that even though he's going to narrow in on one specific thing here, one specific area, that the big theme for all of it is that we are all in it together. That we are to build one another up. That is the big theme in 1 Corinthians 14. So if the guys flick through to the first little slide, I want to show you that that's the main concern that Paul has. Have a look at verse 5 with us. So that means you're going to need to have your Bibles open. Uh, Look at there, he says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless it is interpreted, so that the church may be edified. Verse 5. Verse 12. So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. Verse 17. You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. He wants people to be built up. Verse 26. When, what then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. All these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Verse 40. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way to build up the church, is what Paul is on about. See the big theme? We are all in it together. We are all one. And that we are gifted in many different ways, in different Uh, things that we can do and that God has given those gifts to ultimately build us all up. Now it's really good to keep in mind because that makes sense of what Paul's about to say in the rest of the chapter. Uh, If you went back to chapter 12, last week we looked at 12 and 13 again, it was the same theme, wasn't it? To build each other up, to grow one another. And the challenge that we had last week was what are you doing with the gifts God has given you? Are you sitting on your hands? Or are you using it to build up his people? Are you just saying, well, that's just mine, I'm going to keep it to myself, or are you using it to build up the people around you? It's a good challenge, isn't it, to think about that? Because often we can get so caught up in the stuff that we do and who we are in the world that says it's all about you, whereas Paul is saying to us that as people who trust and believe in Jesus, when we gather together, it's all about us. It's all about us. Well, let's have a look at what it's all about us. It's about building each other up. Uh, what I want to do for you is I just want to give you a couple of quick definitions. I don't do this too often, but I think we just need to have a couple of quick definitions for us to understand what we're talking about this morning. Uh, these definitions have come mainly from the passage that we've looked at, plus a bit of looking outside of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians. But pretty much when you come to hear what the Bible says to us about speaking in tongues and about prophecy... This is the chapter that has got all, most of the information about it in. So if we're going to come to some formulation of what it's about, we need to understand it. So let me read that to you. So that you get an idea when we use the word tongues here in this uh, passage, this is what I reckon it means. It's a God-given ability to speak in another language, be it earthly like Spanish or Greek or Hebrew or whatever, uh, or heavenly. So it could also be a language that no one here uh, in this world actually understands. Uh, that, that privately can be used for prayer and praise and publicly can only be used if interpreted, e.g. it's made intelligible for people to understand. Uh, so that gives you a bit of an idea of what it's about. So it's another language, earthly, heavenly, given by God. Uh, it can be used privately, but if it's going to be used in a broader sense than that, it's got to be interpreted, otherwise it's no use at all. Uh, okay, what's prophecy then? Uh, well, That's a tough one. Lots of people have got different ideas on that but I think if we take what the passage says here to us, what it is and how it should be used, uh, this is my definition for uh, prophecy taken from some other people as well, not just mine by myself. Uh, It's spirit-prompted, spirit-sustained, Bible application of biblical truth but mixed with human imperfection and fallibility and therefore in need of sifting and should only be done in the gathering and it will be for strengthening, encouraging, comforting body, us. Now you have to think about that don't you? Uh, you might want to contemplate that and uh, talk to me about that later and I'll show you why I think all that's there. But I think if you read the passage you'll see where I've got all that information from. So the key thing here though is what Paul is saying in one sense is not he's not out to define either of those specifically here in this passage. He's out to tell us how they should be used. He's out to explain to us how this should operate when we gather together and what he's going to say to us this morning is that there are two key things the first, three key things first one is it's got to be for the building up that's what we've just heard secondly it's got to be intelligible and thirdly it's got to be done in an orderly way so we're going to quickly look at those together okay we've done the building up one uh, let's have a look at the intelligibility one Uh, You see, what Paul is saying to us uh, from verse 26 right through to 26, if you want to read all that at some stage, is that Paul is saying to us that whatever happens when we gather together, it's got to be intelligible. It's got to be understandable. If it's not understandable, then it's no use having. And so he's saying if someone comes into a place amongst us like this and speaks in another language... Of which no one's heard of, and no one can understand, and no one is there to interpret, then it's just like blowing a horn of one note. See, he says that. So it would be like the guys who got up here just a minute. How good was that timing? God's good, isn't He? How He brings these things in at this stage, because they were supposed to play last week, but they played this week, and this week it makes, helps us with the passage, doesn't it? Just imagine if Gordon had been playing just one note. Now, if you're tone deaf, you might have thought that, but no. He played a whole lot of different notes, didn't he? And Mike played different notes and then Karen played beside and then the three of them together, as they pulled it all together, we could understand that the song that they were playing was Abide With Me. Now, if Gordon just played one whole note the whole time, we wouldn't know what we were doing, would we? It would be useless, it would be hopeless. And so that's what Paul's saying here. If someone speaks amongst us together in another language, earthly or heavenly, and no one interprets it, it's just like this unintelligible thing that's just useless to all of us. No one understands it. If you don't understand it, don't use it. Now, I think Paul is using here uh, two examples for us just to get across that idea. Uh, For the Corinthian church, it's specifically this tongue speaking being unintelligible and prophecy being intelligible, being understandable. But I think for us we can take it for anything pretty much in a sense that whatever we do here it needs to be intelligible. So we need to work hard at making sure what we do here is understandable by people who are here. So that means when I speak I'm not to use language that you wouldn't understand. Like if you were listening to the wedding the other night there was some language in there that you would not have understood. Well if you're older than me you may have done but there was thou shalt thou seest beseech thee that shall what's thou shalt beseech Uh, what's troth I shall give you my troth does anyone know what that is what is it My my word is it my troth there you go there you go some people understand it I needed Joan with me for that wedding to interpret it for me otherwise it was completely unintelligible to me well not completely wasn't it but get the idea uh, we are to use language that is understandable. Uh, when we sing songs even, we should be using language that is understandable. Now, sometimes we add the thousands of these in some of the older hymns, uh, but that's because other people understand that and we can explain that to the youngie how it works. But it needs to be explained, doesn't it? Otherwise, it's unintelligible and it shouldn't be used. What should be done when we gather together is intelligible things. And so Paul continues on with that and he uses that one as the, the different notes that should be used. And then he goes through from verses 13 onwards, which we didn't read, but if you've got there in front of you, he goes on and explains that speaking in another language can be done personally and that's fine. It's the prayer and praise in those verses 13 through to 17. And then from 20 onwards, he goes to explain that when it's in a group of people like this, then again, if someone speaks in another language, don't use it unless someone is there to interpret it so that people understand it it says because uh, people are going to think you're absolutely stupid if you do look at verse 22 tongues then are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers prophecy however is for believers and not unbelievers now that's a bit of a complicated verse and uh, sentence that he's put there together uh, but basically Paul is saying is that someone who comes in and happened to walk in through our door and there was just a whole lot of people speaking another language they would go walk out and say they're absolutely mad they are ridiculous this, what's going on in that place in a sense it doesn't show that God's here but if people spoke prophecy that is they spoke what God was doing what God's on about bringing it from the Bible to us then people will go out of here and say God is here see so what he says down in verse 24 but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying he'll be convinced by all that he is a sinner and he'll be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare so he will fall down and worship God exclaiming God is really among you you see what Paul is saying is when people come in to us here uh, if you come and visit us what he wants people to go out of here and say God was here God is amongst these people they are serving and loving and building one another up that shows that God is real and they'll go out of here and they'll say wow God's part of this place. That's a challenge for us, isn't it? Do people walk out of here and say, God's part of this place? Or do people go out of here and say, wow, they're wacko? Or do people walk out of here and say, I just got no idea what's going on there at all? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge for us to think about how we do things and especially how we relate to one another. Uh, Because Paul goes on now and says, that you are all in this together to build one another up. Uh, and if you remember from what, what uh, Bob said last week it was about it had to go through the filter of love in everything that we did uh, he then says that it needs to be also orderly uh, verses 26 and onwards he says that this needs to have a direction in it that God is not a God of disorder but he is a God of order uh, look at what he says there in verse 26 what then shall we say brothers when you come together everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction a revelation a tongue or interpretation all of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. And then he explains if anyone speaks a tongue, someone should be there, they've got to interpret it. Then he says in verse 29, If anyone prophesies, then people need to be there, they need to explain it, and it needs to be tested. That's why, if you see my definition of prophecy, that it should be done amongst other believers in the gathering, because that's where it needs to be tested. No prophecy should be given without it being tested. You know, it's really dangerous. See, some people have used this and have said that people have got the gift of prophecy. And I know one specifically and in a little town in, uh, I won't say where, uh, and this person said that they had the gift of prophecy. They went and saw another person and said that I've been told by God that you are to, to leave your wife and come off and do some other things. Now that's really hard, isn't it, if it's a one person to one person thing because this person says God's told me they've seemed a lot to have authority. The other person thinks, well, if God's told them, then that's what I'm doing and I should do it. But if it was said amongst the gathering, we would say, whoa, what does the Bible say about that? We need to test it. We need to look at it and see, does this match what God has revealed to us in His Word? We'd be able to say that together and then that one person wouldn't have that some sort of authority that they may seem to have when they just say it individually. That's why I've got that in the definition of that part of it. And I think that's why Paul's got it here because he may wants to make sure that it doesn't get abused. Just as the speaking tongues are being, was being abused, he doesn't want prophecy to be abused either. And people think they're more spiritual because they've got this gift than that gift. He wants to make sure it's done in an intelligible, orderly fashion because we are all to work towards the one goal. It's not just each of us wanting to kick our own goal. Uh, I was talking to my brother-in-law yesterday. He's, um, uh, in Tassie and little Oscar's his son and he's eight, I think. And so he's in the under nine soccer team and he was the coach of the under nine soccer team. It was his birthday, so I rang him up and I was talking to him on the phone in the middle of it as he was saying, hey, happy birthday, Rich. Hold on, hold on, on, Kick the goal! Get in there! Come on. Yeah, go on, Paul. Yeah, I'm coaching at the moment. Oscar, come on, move it around there and he was talking like this and I was saying how's it going mate he says oh it's crazy they're just like bees they're just this little humming bee they're just all running around because what are they like in under eights? Under eights think that I've got a score of goal. I don't care about anyone else isn't it? It's my ball I've got it and they just run to the goals that's it and then they get tackled and they run the other way and the whole lot go after them this way the whole lot goes this way they're like this, this buzzing bee that's followed all the way don't they? Because they all just think they've got to kick the goal See, we're different, aren't we? We're not like that, just this humming thing going like that, just thinking that we've got our own gifts, we've got to kick our own goal. We're a team. We work together. We have different positions, different skills, different abilities, different gifts. We move around, but we are working towards one thing, and that is to see God glorified. That is to become more like Jesus, see other people come to know him and love him together, and that we are to do that together. Someone once told me that the church is either like a body or a bus. It's either with one person up the front driving and everyone sitting behind just taking, going for the ride or it's the body all working together. We're to be a body, aren't we? All working together. All to see God glorified, to see people come to know and grow in him and live that out in the community around us. You see in verse 32 it says, uh, verse 33, For God is not a God of disorder but of peace. So the situation Paul was speaking into, uh, if you can gather from the picture behind it, is that people were just doing anything. They'd gather here and there'd be just people going off doing whatever they wanted to. There'd be a group of people over there speaking away in tongues. There'd be a group of people over there prophesying. There'd be people standing up here, standing up there. There'd be all this, just this whole mess of stuff going on and there was no order in it. No sharing, no loving, no caring. They weren't looking at it as one together. They were looking at it just as their own little thing. And so Paul pulls them back from that and says, whatever you do, do it for the building up of each other. It's got to be intelligible. It's got to be in order. And in a minute we're going to see that that is a great witness to those that walk in. Now you might say, Paul, are you going to deal with verse 34 and 35 on Mother's Day? It's a tough one, isn't it? Now if uh, some of you haven't read that far yet, Feel free to skip it. It's okay. No. Um, verse 34 and 35 are probably some of the toughest verses in the Bible to, uh, to understand in one sense. Uh, let me read it to you, and then I'll give you a quick explanation of what I think's happening there. Uh, you can work it out after that. Uh, I actually think verse 32 is the end of what's going on, and I actually think 36 is where it picks up. Uh, I reckon there's a little bit of... Uh, Whether 34 and 35 were there in the original or not, actually, there's a big debate on whether that was true or not or whether it's been uh, put in at a certain time. Uh, You can work that out. I reckon it makes a lot more sense without 34 and 35 in there, Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't understand it being in there either. Uh, Look at what it says there as in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent in the churches, they're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. Well, the law doesn't actually say that. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Uh, There's got to be something about this that we need to work hard at, in one sense, because back in chapter 11, Paul says it's okay for women to speak in church. Paul says it's okay for them to prophesy. It's okay for them to get up and speak and so forth. So he can't be saying that they can't speak in church. There's got to be something else happening here that's going on, okay, Uh, especially if it's part of the text. I think what's got to be saying to us that there has to be some specific issue that's happening in Corinth that is that the women there in some way are being more discordant than anyone else, that the women in that congregation specifically are causing headaches, that they are the ones that maybe are doing the whole lot of speaking tongues, the whole lot of prophesying without being tested, the whole unintelligibility bit and in some way maybe they're getting up and, and causing a ruckus that's happening while someone is doing uh, speaking a prophecy They're coming in from the side or something like that. So in some way there's something happening that the women here specifically are causing a huge issue. So what Paul's saying to them, it needs to be done in order guys and women you need to just close your mouths for a while in this situation. Now in some situations it might be blokes and if it had been that he might have told the blokes to keep their mouths shuttered too at this point in time. But what he's saying here in this specific point and this specific time in this congregation you women you just need to be quiet at this point in time to get this back into order, to make sense of it, to get this back so that this actually is a place that speaks greatly of God. Feel free to discuss that with me afterwards. But I think that's what it's doing. If it's supposed to be there, I think it's got to have something to do specific with the context there. So that means, in one sense, it probably doesn't speak a lot to you and I here. I haven't heard any women here yell out at me, try and stop me yep Says Sam. Uh, John O probably does more than anyone, and sometimes we do have to pull him in line, don't we? Sometimes we do have to say, hold on, yeah, thanks, John, but no. Um, so maybe that's the case we've got to think about the circumstance and the situation that Paul's talking about but we need to take the theme that he's saying everything needs to be done for the building up, everything needs to be intelligible, everything needs to be in order and I think what he's saying is that everything needs to be inviting for people who walk in because that's what he's saying back in verses 22 to 26 if an unbeliever, if someone who doesn't know Jesus yet walks in, they want to go out of here saying God is great and I think verse 40 is pointing that to but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. That's what he's saying. When we gather together, it should look like that. Well, I think there's some challenges for us out of this passage and I'm not too sure how we implement that. I think we need to pray about that. We need to think that through well. I haven't had anyone come up to me and say that, they've got a, uh, that they speak in tongues specifically and they'd like to do it here. If that was the case, I'd really appreciate that you speak to me first before you do that. Uh, because we want to make sure that that would be done in the way that the Bible says. Uh, as the same with someone who might think that they've got the gift of prophecy, that they uh, would like to speak to me first, we need to make sure that it's done, as it's said here in the passage, in a fitting and orderly way. But I've never had that happen here, and maybe God hasn't given us the gifts that those people here at this point in time for us to use. But maybe if He does sometime, and He does bring it to us, then we're going to need to think really carefully through how we do do aren't we? Because it's, Paul says they're good gifts to have. Speaking in tongues and interpreting the congregation is a good thing to have. Prophecy—someone standing up and speaking to us, and encouraging us, and confirming us, and exhorting us from God's word amongst us—it's a good thing to have. So we need to think how we do that. Because I think one of the exciting things about this passage is that there is versatility in what can happen when we gather together. Paul doesn't say everything that could happen, does he? He doesn't talk about Bible reading. He doesn't talk about prayer doesn't talk about preaching. doesn't even actually specifically talk about teaching. But in other parts of the Bible, we hear that those things do happen. So it's not the be-all and end-all list that Paul's got here, but he's working on specificity. But he does say there's versatility, doesn't he? People can stand up. There can be some spontaneity that happens within a congregation when we gather together. And it's vitality, isn't it? It's exciting. It's exciting stuff happening when these guys gather together. God's doing stuff amongst people When they gather together, they're excited about it. But it needs to be in order, doesn't it? It needs to be God-honoring. It needs to build people up. It needs to be through love. And it needs to say how good God is when we gather together. That's a challenge for us, guys, isn't it? As we think about how we move forward and what we do when we gather together, how we understand uh, the scriptures before us and what God's saying to us. And I think it's a challenge to keep thinking that we are all in this together that God has placed you and I here. He has gifted each and every one of us to build each and every one of us up in love. Let's see what God's going to do with us in the future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we can read it and we can look at it. Sometimes it's not always easy, uh, but Lord, you are also clear in getting across your main message through your word. Father, we pray that as we do read the Bible together, as we do read the Word together, that by your Spirit you will enlighten it to us, help us to understand understand it and help us to apply it to our lives, Lord. We pray this morning, Lord, that you will uh, uh, work in our hearts and our minds, Lord, to challenge us to think about how we uh, and what we do when we gather together. And that when we do gather together, Lord, that we are all in it together. And that we are to love one another, to build one another up. And Lord, that we are to bring glory to you in everything that we do. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.